Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to Barnyard Language yet again. It is springish into summertime, and so that means that all the things are happening on all the farms. So, Katie, what's happening on your farm? Hay is done for the first round. We always do it on Memorial Day, so it was Memorial Day, so we did hay. Uh, made a lot of big round bales. Boy child went out and helped daddy quite a bit. You know, somebody has to supervise. Um, yes. I think sure. it was a pretty rough first haying. There were some parts runs and a fair amount of swearing, and I don't. I <laughs> not well, from the boy child, maybe. Yes, his language is sometimes a little, <laughs> a little uh, more developed than one might prefer, but we're working on it. You know, we're working pretty firmly on. These are words we can say at home and in the tractor and not other places. And these are words that we can say other places. And um, it's mostly that he sounds so much like the person he heard it from when he repeats it, that it becomes very clear where he picked it up. Um, I will say the other morning he was laying in bed with me and daddy and the cat and he rolled over and he Bear in mind, he's five, and he rolled over, and he goes, this is lovely. It's like, oh, he repeated something that I didn't get upset about. Isn't that nice? He's just so sweet. (laughs) Um, Other than that, we we had an incident with the bull getting in with some heifers last year, and they were all looted, and we still had, I think, we're up to nine calves this spring which is nine calves that we weren't mm. supposed to have, but they're all very healthy and happy and springy looking. So that's good. Um, other than that, we uh, I've posted some to the social medias, but the daycare that the kids go to hatched out eggs as part of an egg in the classroom project through Farm Bureau. And so we now have seven chicks in our chicken coop. Um, the girl child thought they were going to live in her bedroom. Not, you know, even I am not, uh, progressive enough for that one. Largely because chickens are very dirty animals and can cause a lot of lung problems. Progressive isn't the word I wouldn't say. (laughs) Yeah. There are, some farm animals are farm animals. I was trying not to, yeah. I know some folks who have house chickens, but it tends to be one and it tends to be a pretty involved pet situation. Chickens are very dusty and can cause a lot of lung problems. So, and also I don't want to listen to chicks distress calling all night. That does not sound uh, relaxing to me. Um, So what's been happening at your place, Arlene? Well, some of the same things. Yeah, hay has been happening. The corn and the soybeans are planted, so that is good. And they got a bit of rain on them, so that is also wonderful. Lovely, as your boy child would say. 
Um, I managed to injure myself at the busiest time of year, so that was um, not ideal. I, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I'm back to, was back to playing ball hockey and was reminded that I am not 20 or a actual hockey player. I'm in my 40s and I'm a recreational sports um, fan. And so I tried to keep up with a much younger woman than myself and it didn't turn out so well. So I sprained my ankle. So it's looking very black and blue and swollen. So I actually got a few days out of the barn, which wasn't, wasn't really the plan. But thankfully, my uh, teenager and some of our staff took over some of my uh, milking sessions for me. So I was back in the barn this week. It's still a bit sore, but I'm wrapping it up tight and wearing supportive footwear and we're going to power through. So yeah, that was a, a few days of relaxing that I hadn't really planned on last week. But I did some cross-stitching and watched some Netflix and did some paperwork and that kind of stuff. And in other news, my husband and I are both leading 4-H clubs at the moment. So he's leading a dairy club and we're hosting their judging night this week for the county. So that'll be several different classes, cows, cookies. Uh, what else have we got coming? Sheep, I think, from somewhere, some crops. Anyway, all the kids will do some judging and I'm leading a cookie club. So I've been doing lots of test baking, which actually works out quite well for my family. So we had our first meeting the other day and it went really well. We've got a good group of kids. So we're going to do a bunch of different cookie baking. And we have one meeting that we've got planned to go to the grocery store. We've got a tour of the bakery there and to do some kind of work about how things are priced, how things are labeled, what's on the ingredient labels, all that kind of stuff. So we have that kind of stuff has been running through my mind a lot lately, just trying to organize my thoughts into something that is hopefully somewhat fun and also somewhat educational. And I'm realizing that being a teacher, not that I didn't already know this, is a lot of work because this is just like a very small sliver of what I'm sure they have to think about every day. So as always, thank you to teachers. Katie, your school is done for the year. They wrapped up point. on Friday and the boy child had a preschool graduation, which is in that list of things that I used to think was just ridiculous bullshit that they do stuff like that. <laughs> and the older I've gotten... Yeah, but did he have a little hat and was it adorable? It was the cutest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. And I've realized that really a lot of these kids have worked really hard in preschool. You know, I mean, it's it's hard work when you're four. And um, a lot of the kids in our school don't speak English as a first language, which I'm sure makes it that much harder. And you know what? We all need more things to celebrate in life. So if, Why if little party, kids right? want to get dressed up, and I'll tell you, especially the, uh, the Latin families in town take dressing up very, very seriously, which I love. We are talking big, big dresses, lots of fluffy, fluffy little dresses. Um, the kids sang some songs, oh, they got diplomas. I'm really, we should all just find more things to celebrate in life. Just, we should eat more cookies and find more things to celebrate because life is hard enough. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, it feels like our end of year is really far off, but it's only a month away. And I don't have a preschool graduation. I have a high school graduation, wow. which is adorable for other reasons because I remember 
a lot of these kids when they were just little kindergartners and you know that's one of the things about being in a small town right is you know definitely some people move away but there's there's going to be a lot of kids walk across that stage who my my daughter went to kindergarten with so it's pretty exciting and prom is coming up this weekend so the excitement level is at an all-time high so we have hair appointments and we have to wash and detail the tractor and pick up flowers and um what else do we have to do there are nails uh, i think there's some self tanner going on so yeah there's lots of things to get ready for i only have one daughter so i'm guessing that this might be the fanciest of the proms that i uh, am so semi-involved in but i made some floral arrangements for the tractor and i think they look pretty good so we will uh, i'll post some pictures once once the big reveal is ready the only problem is we need to use the tractor for spraying this week first so the spraying needs to get done before friday so that we can get it ready for prom on saturday because I don't want to have to stay up all night Friday cleaning the tractor. This is the most farm family problem I have ever heard. That you need the tractor for prom, so the spraying has <laughs> yeah. to get done. Should we bring on our guest for the week? I suppose we should. Today we're excited to be talking to Adrian Ivy, who's joining us from her ranch in Saskatchewan. So Adrian, we start each of our interviews with the same question. And so for farmers and ranchers, this can cover crops and livestock but it also covers families, businesses, and all kinds of other stuff. So we ask, what are you growing? Well, that's a bit of a changing topic on our farm right now. Um, we are predominantly a livestock, a beef cattle operation uh, with a little bit of grain farming as well. So in Saskatchewan, that means the normal um, oats, canola, peas, wheat, um, barley, that kind of thing. Um, but we have been changing that a little bit due to economics and also due to we're getting old and we're sick of working so hard. So we are downsizing the beef cattle side and upsizing the grain side. So we're really fortunate that our land can go either way. Um, but so we're, you know, converting it from long-term forages back over to annual grain farming. Um, but then a larger part of my day today are the kids that I'm growing as well. Uh, we have two teenagers, Noelle, who is almost 17 and Cole, who just turned 15. And like you would think a, somebody who spends so much time mothering wouldn't have to think about those numbers so hard in my head before I spit them out. But uh, yeah, that never seems to change. So that's what keeps us busy on the farm these days. So when you're talking about making a switch in numbers, what are you kind of currently at and what is your goal in terms of um, whether that's in acres or numbers of head of cattle or whatever you're willing to talk about? I know some, not everyone wants to talk about the uh, the actual numbers but if people had an idea uh, of what we're talking about I, i'm an open book i'll talk about anything and everything probably things that pro nobody wants to hear about so that's no problem uh so at our highest we were calving out uh 1400 mama cows and um that has slowly whittled down that was a little bit too high of a number for our land base which all grain and everything included is about ten thousand acres um and so we've whittled that down to kind of hovered around a thousand for quite a few years and now our plan is to get under 500 that we're going to calve um but along with that 
we not only have the cow calf side, we also, we keep all of our calves and we run them as grasser yearlings the next year, um, retain ownership, finish them, own them right through to processing uh, for fat cattle. So we still will probably continue to do all of the parts of it like that, but just reduce our numbers significantly to under 500. And along this way, as we've been slowly whittling down the cattle numbers, you know, we were grain farming, you know, as low as a thousand acres and we'll probably upsize that to, to I'm guessing, we'll see where all the numbers land out, but probably around 6,000 acres that, that we'll be grain farming here in the near future. Um, that's the loose plan, but as all, as I'm sure both of you know, plans never quite go exactly as you have planned them out to be. So it will be interesting to see where we actually land and how close that is to the plan. Cause I'm sure it will never be exactly what I planned. And what breed of cattle do you have? Uh, so they're commercial cattle. So, you know, mongrels, but uh, predominantly Angus based. We have a little bit of um, Hereford in the genetics as well, just to give a nice little cross, the odd little bit of Semitol in there too, but mostly Angus. Uh, we've been running red Angus bulls for a really long time and had originally started with a predominantly black Angus cow herd. Um, so it's, it's a mix of red and black Angus mostly. I feel like that's something that a lot of non certainly non-cattle folks and maybe non-livestock folks in general don't get is that for commercial purposes it doesn't matter to have you know pedigreed animals generally if you're not selling them for breeding it does not matter you know and as long as they're doing well for you it really you know the color right. doesn't matter the breed doesn't matter you know yes yeah, such a difference working. from the dairy industry right that is so genetics focused um and particular about their genetics and registrations and i don't even understand but all the different levels of of the cows and classification that's the word that i'm looking for uh yeah whereas for us we're really focused on just pure production of the individual cow and if she does real well for us then no matter what color she is she'll keep raising babies and um, it's really for us it comes down to two things the first is feed conversion so we need a mama cow that doesn't need to eat a lot herself but yet raises a good calf and but then we even take that back farther and it's not so much about even the cattle genetics, because even though we're considered a livestock farm, um, for us, it's always been about the land and what we really have been are grass farmers and, and forage farmers. Uh, that's the stepping stone of, or the cornerstone of our whole operation. So we're, we've been more worried about um, forage genetics, honestly, than we have about cattle genetics. Well, and I know as a beef and lamb producer myself, you know, I mean, where Arlene's looking at measuring butter fat or yield or, you know, pounds in the tank or whatever, my biggest concerns are, is she stupid and is she crazy? <laughs> you know, like those are, those are harder to really put a number to, but you know, those are kind of the top things we look for. And I mean, we have a much smaller herd than you do, so that's you know, one crazy bitch is a much larger percentage of our total. <laughs> but, you know, that's 
that's our first cut is how big of a pain in the ass are they? Well, it's so true, but also that is such a big variance from farm to farm too, right? So because we calve in May and June and they calve out on pasture and unless you're a first time heifer, we don't touch you. Like you're checked once a day and we'll, we'll deal with any emergencies. But other than that, you're on your own and you're miles away from the nearest yard. So we actually kind of love the crazy bitches because they're good coyote chasers and they protect their calf at all costs, which is extremely dangerous if you're calving in the yard and you have to go and put your hands on that calf as a human. But uh, for ours that are range cattle, nope, be a crazy bitch. Just do it over there where I don't have to deal with you. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll even handle them being a crazy bitch if they've got a calf on. Fine. But, you right. know, like, we had an Angus cow that just destroyed a whole bunch of pipe gates. And I'm like, you know what? No, like, you're just being a crazy bitch. Just, there's no excuse for this. You know? It's so She true. went straight to the sale because it's just not worth it. Um, well, yeah, well, where, and where we run into that is when we're handling them as yearlings after, you know, because crazy bitch genetics are definitely passed down. So... Uh, when they, when we get into a group of really flighty yearlings that are impossible to handle, that's when we know we need to be, uh, tamping that down on the cow herd a little. Yep. So are you from a farm background yourself? I am from a farm, but not a cattle farm. I grew up on a pure grain farm, um, that the only livestock we had was, some. Um, 4-H calves and some show horses. So it was, and I met my husband at university um, and we came back to his family farm immediately after university. We didn't, weren't farming with his parents, but right side by side. And he always wanted to be a cattle farmer. Um, they had a small feedlot and he loved the cow-calf side of it. And I was like, well, farming's farming, right? How different can it be? Turns out... It's completely freaking different. Um, And I had a real steep learning curve that I needed to figure out and do a lot of learning and a lot of adjusting my expectations of what farm life would look like. Because the flexibility of your time on a grain farm is 100% different than the daily grind of livestock, for sure. Yeah, I suppose with with crops, you know, once they're planted or, you know, I mean, obviously there's work to be done, but it's not as time sensitive generally as livestock Absolutely. work is. Yeah. Absolutely. We got to spend time at the lake in the summer and we got to go on vacations in the winter. And uh, yeah, it's just a different level of daily expectations for, for sure. And then you throw in that we're a mixed farm. So you have all of the high stress times of planting and harvest and all of that as well. But then the months of putting up feed in the summer and of course, feeding cattle all winter long too. So we are lucky. We have two full-time hired guys and they are fantastic. Um, I, we could never do this without them. So they do offer us a little bit of flexibility, which has been mostly just eaten up by chasing kids to their activities for the past 10 years. Uh, as I know you guys can probably attest to, um, but yeah, definitely a big difference 
from the green and even just green farming cash flow compared to livestock and, and all the parts of it. it. They're just very different businesses. Yeah, that's true too. I guess with grain farming, you know, the money kind of goes out at one time and it comes in at one time where with livestock, it mostly seems to just go out all the time <laughs> and then yeah. maybe yeah, it comes in. in sometimes. Yeah. I'm but, still waiting for that. I think, uh, yeah. which is why we're going to green farm more. <laughs> so are you guys able to support your family on what you're making on the farm or are you, I Canada's apparently a whole different place than the U.S. where you guys, I mean, there are obvious downsides, don't get me wrong, um, but it seems a lot more common in Canada for families to actually be able to support themselves on farms. It's like a yeah, crazy so, thing to the Americans. But Yeah, oh, wow. So yeah, I would say most, not most, maybe not most, but a good percentage of farms here in Saskatchewan are completely self-sufficient. Um, really, it's like anywhere. There's a broad variety of sizes of farms. Mm -hmm. But for us, we're really fortunate. We, where we wanted to farm, um, right when we started farming, there was a lot of land available for purchase and quite economically. So we were really able to start right from the get-go, buying up land and getting ourselves to a size that we were able to not work off farm at all. Um, my husband, so my, I mentioned my husband and I met at university. We both have degrees in agriculture. He farmed full-time right from the get-go. Um, even though our part of the farm was quite a bit smaller, he worked on his parents' farm as well and, and worked with them. And I had a full-time off-farm job in agriculture and worked in corporate agriculture for, oh, a good 10 years. And that allowed us to live totally off of my income and just let the farm grow, basically. And... Uh, yeah, 10 years in and our farm was growing exponentially. Thank goodness. Like I said, all that land was available and we were able to buy, buy a good chunk of it. And, um, and the kids, I always had this idea that when you have kids, you know, it gets easier when they get to school and I'd have so much more time and freedom and flexibility once my kids were in school and then my kids were in school and I realized holy crap, this is completely different. It is a total new level of shit show. And I was needed at home more than ever. So I gradually, you know, decreased the days that I was working. I was able to work some part-time marketing jobs. And even that got to be too much, which was terrifying for me to go full-time at home and on the farm. Um, I'm a super social person. I like to be around people. So it was terrifying, the idea of staying home uh, in the middle of literally nowhere. Uh, but it's the best thing I ever did. It was the scariest and the best. I'm so glad we've never regretted it ever since. Um, the attention that I can pay to my kids and chase them around and also just helping out on the farm too. I'm definitely would never consider myself the primary farmer here, but there's no doubt that we could not be at the size and scale that we're at if I wasn't able to be such a support system. I know that Katie and I have talked about it before, but my guess is one of the biggest factors in us as Canadian farmers being able to work full time on the farm and I'm able to do the same as you Adrian spend some of my time 
as a stay-at-home parent and some of my time farming, but not having to pay for healthcare is such a huge factor in our ability to do that because I look at, you know, I'm in a few different, you know, chat groups of farm, farm women or farm families and the costs associated with trying to fund your own healthcare if you don't have an off-farm job in the States just seems mind-blowing to me and I don't know how that works, I guess, you know, like we just don't, don't have that expense that we have to factor in. You know, I've thought about that too often. Same thing with friends in the States and stuff. And just the cash flow, the after-tax cash flow of having to pay that insurance and stuff, uh, that's pretty significant. It, I will say, you know, down there, I guess they have the benefit of their tax, their tax level isn't nearly as high as ours. But some days on the farm, that doesn't matter so much because livestock keeps going the way it is and we don't pay that much. Yeah, if you have enough debt, then uh, you don't pay yes. that, many, that much in tax. Exactly. <laughs> I know my family is incredibly lucky to have the level of health care that is provided by my job, but I would guess that our out-of-pocket health costs to carry this kind of coverage, if I had to pay for it, would probably be 3000 a month pretty easily. Oh. Yeah, which is, you know, a year's income pretty quick, and that's for four people. Like, that's... Yeah, and that's just yeah. one aspect of your family's needs, right? Yeah. That does, that's yeah. not anything else. Yep, yeah. yeah. and so that does make a a big difference. And so there's a lot of families that maybe have coverage, but it's only maybe enough to keep from losing the whole farm if something happens, but not something so bad that you hit the cap and then you still have to pay for it. You know, and that's just kind of, there's a lot of families getting by on crossing fingers and, you know, hoping that you actually die if something bad happens. So oh, it's not oh. a great system. You know? it's, well, um, and it's just the unknown of it, right? Like, I'm a person who I, I like a solid plan and the plan can always change, but I like a plan. So the idea of not having that fallback would be actually actually terrifying to me um and i honestly so again this all relates back to agriculture but that's a really huge reason of also why we're downsizing the cows and upsizing the grain here is because government programming there is very little downside to grain farming in saskatchewan in today's day and age uh there is all sorts of government-backed insurance and um you're almost you'd have to be a in a real big bind to get into financial trouble as a grain farmer. But those same backstops aren't there on the livestock side, uh, especially beef that is not supply managed uh, like some other livestock based things up here. So um, my aversion to risk and my need for a plan, it does not bode well with the ups and downs of the livestock industry in Canada th these days. Well, and it, you know, you guys can make way cooler drone videos up there than we can, which I feel like is a real upside. You know, as someone with a an almost five-year-old son and a 44-year-old husband who spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos of other farms. Um, you know, here, like, if I made a drone video of us harvesting, it would be, like, 
a six row head stopping and turning around and stopping and turning around where up there you guys can get like you know seven combines side by side and like miles you know or kilometers i guess kilometers long fields which looks really cool where here it would just be my husband swearing and stuff breaking Well, I'm not going to lie. Where our land basin is, it's very rolly, lots of wetlands, lots of bush. So therefore, lots of turning and lots of swearing. I didn't even know there were hills in Saskatchewan. Yes. Well, I guess I just figured it was. No, like we are not flat at all. And in fact, that's why we have been a livestock farm for so long. It's because who wants to farm frickin' hills in Saskatchewan? So, um, yeah. But another interesting point is out east, they might measure farmland by kilometers. But out west, we measure it all in miles. And it's because the way our land was surveyed, every single field is a square 160 acres and uh, is, yeah, measured in miles, not kilometers. So I am nine miles. I live nine miles from our closest town called Ituna. Uh, but yet I live 120 kilometers from our closest city, which is Regina. Because as soon as you go over like the 20 mile line, then you just think in kilometers. It's very confusing. That's so weird. <laughs> I'm from central Iowa, which is very much grain farming and it's measured by sections. Like it sounds like it is up in your place where it's, you know, if you turn left, what, three times, you're at home. Yes. And I moved to a part of Iowa where if you turn left three times, you're in Wisconsin. You know, (laughs) it's, I get lost all the time up here still because it's just, you know, at home, if you turn left enough times, you're going to be right where you start. Absolutely. It's, I don't know. Thumbs down on this weird ass situation. (laughs) There's hills up here, which I guess does change things. Yeah, that's true. So, Adrian, I know that you and your husband were part of the Canadian Outstanding Young Farmer program. And um, my husband and I were two at one point through the Ontario program. We didn't get to go national. So we didn't get uh, quite as far as you guys did. But can you tell us a bit more about that competition and why people should apply? Yes, if you are 40 or under, I highly, 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 highly recommend. Um, It's something that when we were first nominated, that my husband and I really struggled with. And when I say my husband and I, I just mean my husband, because he does not like to go and do all the things and see all the people and really leave the farm for anything. Make a presentation. All of those things. Yeah, yes. So, um... We went back and forth for a little bit of whether or not we should be going through with this. And I am so glad we did. It's the best thing we've ever done. Um, So Outstanding Young Farmers, they have different regions across Canada. It mostly goes by province, you know, except all the Atlantic provinces are together and the territories join in with with a province. But so every region or every province basically... Uh, has one farm that they send on to the nationals and through that program we have made lifelong friends um, that I would never have crossed paths with in my life I love that it is people who are doing unique 
things on their farms, whether it is finding interesting ways of using other people's money or whether it is uh, doing niche markets or whether it's just like they're doing the status quo, but they're absolutely rocking it and thinking big and taking risks. I think that any time that you can surround yourself with other people who are doing really cool shit, it is going to make you better at whatever you're doing, even if it's totally unrelated to what that other farm is doing. I think it's really easy for us as farmers to get sucked into what we are just doing every single day and kind of get bogged down in our own operations. Um, but even my introvert husband who doesn't like to be around all the people every time that he goes uh, to an outstanding young farmer event, he comes back just excited and wanting to look for new opportunities and to think about things a little bit differently. Um, I just, that is something that as farmers, we just don't do enough of, whether it's through this program or maybe peer groups or whatever is out there. Maybe it's just hitting your major trade egg trade show or whatever. I think we all can be better at that learning from each other and inspiring each other. Yeah, it's so easy to get kind of stuck in your physical place, right? And thinking, well, this is the only way to do it. And this is the way it's always been done. And we'll keep doing it because it's safe or any of those types of things. I saw a quote the other day that was like, tradition is just peer pressure from your ancestors. <laughs> and it was like, yes, I thought that was really good for agriculture, too, where it's like, okay, maybe this is the way that your predecessor did it or, you know, three, four generations before. But would they want you to keep doing it just because they did? They didn't. Maybe they didn't have any options. Maybe they didn't want to do it that way. And we have to be willing, yeah, to, to try new things and take risks and, and learn from other people, too. Absolutely. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I think, too, one of the huge benefits I see from attending conferences and stuff is getting to talk to farmers who've been doing it for 50 years and still have stuff go wrong because I think so many farmers get so stuck in the you know everyone else is doing amazingly and our farm is going to shit and nobody else's cows ever escape and nobody else's fields ever flood and everything is great for everybody else and it's bullshit but it's not like you know generally we're going to call each other up and just be like hey did you know that my whole field flooded and all my cows ran away? And, you know, like, we're not going to talk about the things that go wrong. And so it gets really easy to think that it's just your farm that is struggling. And it's, it's not healthy to think it's just you. It's so true. Or even like, even on good years, on any given day, there is so much shit that goes sideways. And, uh, and I think that, we have this idea as farmers that like, oh, we actually got rain this year. We're not in a drought. It's not horrible. We didn't get hailed out. Every animal on the farm didn't die. So I just need to suck it up because really things aren't that bad. When the reality is on a really good day, a lot of sh bad shit happens that is stressful and you need to figure it out and work through it. And the more that we actually talk about that, yeah, there is solidarity in that and that we aren't alone and that I had a shitty day, but so did so many other people and we can all commiserate together. 
that's the downside of social media for sure is so much is just the highlight reel and agriculture social media is no different um it's uh it's a lot of beautiful drone pictures but it's also important we share sometimes this the shit show as well and i think that's such a good point too because i know you know as grain farmers we see that instagram post of somebody's um yield in a combine you know that they hit 300 bushels an acre and i'm like but it was for 20 feet like yeah, yeah you hit 300 but it wasn't the whole damn farm <laughs> you know so i'm wondering what your thoughts are on how we can improve how honest we are on social media and how we can deal with our frustrations about it because i know too it's it's hard because you don't want to look like a loser. Like nobody wants to come out and just be like, everything is terrible, you know, but also it's good not to totally bullshit people. Right. Well, and there's toxic negativity, but then there's also toxic positivity too. Right. And it's a fine line of not wanting to go too far in either direction. Um, and then there's also the thing you need to worry about of activists and, sharing a bad day on a livestock farm can easily sometimes be taken way out of context and used for, you know, some of that activist driven narrative that unfortunately is still out there. But I think, I think the core of it needs to come from that. We as farmers, just like all people, we need to be able to poke a little fun at ourselves sometimes. And like some of the, shit shows that happen, I would actually say the majority of the shit shows that happen are our own doing. And so we need to be able to be like, look at my stupidity. I just got ridiculously stuck because I was watch I was driving the tractor while watching a TikTok and drove right into a slough and like just own it and be able to laugh at it and uh and be a bit ridiculous, right? because we all are and that's normal and that's okay. Um, yeah, I think, I think that when we can allow ourselves to be seen as human, then it is just not only good for our own souls, but good for everyone else's as well. Um, and you know, cause my kids are teenagers now, right? So they are quite a bit more picky now about what images of them I would put on social media than when they were five and six and just adorable, even when they were bad. Right. So it's something that we talk about a lot that it's okay to poke fun at yourself and it's okay to poke fun at each other a little bit, but still being mindful, you know, if before I share things about them, I ask for their permission now, which I feel like I shouldn't have to do because I freaking own them because I made them. But also it's a life lesson of, I don't own their image to put on social media. And just like, they need to be aware of that when they are, when they have a funny video of some stupid thing their friend did or whatever. Or that right? we like, did. Yes, exactly. We don't, we don't want that to happen. So yeah, you do have to start asking for permission. Otherwise, the next time I do something stupid, it could end up on social media. Exactly. So, oh, and my farmer's just coming in to interrupt this. Hi, far Hi farmer. I'm doing a podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
I'm just glad to hear somebody else tell the truth about having to ask your kids for consent because it is so fucking annoying to have to like model asking for physical affection from someone that you literally lived inside your body for most of a year. Right. Like you didn't ask permission before you just jumped all around in there. <laughs> like why should I, you know, but that's not how consent works is uh, you, know, know. you have to ask unless you don't want to. And then you don't, that, God, it's annoying. It is. Now I'm mad just thinking about it. Right? And like, especially when you throw in the whole feeling of ownership that you have over your kids, right? Like, I own your ass. I can do whatever I want, except shit, no, that's bad. So I guess I'll ask permission. Yeah. It's such a strange, you know, like through that transition period too, right? From like little kids to teens, there are those years in between where one day, they're still a little <laughs> and they act it right and then you turn around and you're like when did we be start to be able to have these conversations <laughs> and now i realize yeah how big you're getting but yeah day to day and even minute to minute sometimes that completely changes absolutely they, they keep us on our toes that is the one thing parenting and farming are exactly the same because no two days are the same and just as soon as you think you got all your shit figured out then everything changes. So you said you have teenagers and I'm just, I'm just going to go there because I am not shallow. <laughs> Why does your skin look so good? Were you 12 <laughs> when you had these kids or are you like, is this a filter? You guys like listeners, just go look at Adrian's social media. You will understand why I'm just asking this creepy ass question <laughs> because it. she looks amazing. And I generally look like I got backed over by a garbage truck. <laughs> 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 so Adrian, explain your skincare routine to us because I also like in all seriousness as someone who's had skin cancer and like is dealing with all this like weird skin shit working outside especially in the wind in the sun whatever is fucking bad for your skin so tell us please because you look like someone who might know something about how to not look like shit I don't Thank know if you. I know anything I do. I, I know a couple things that if I am not wearing any makeup, there are times on social media that I'm using a filter. So like what you see is not always reality, but like you're looking at my face right now, but I have a light ring on. So sometimes, you know, light is a girl's, the right light is a girl's best friend. Uh, but also I would say I had a bit of an epiphany in the middle of COVID, to be honest, uh, when everything was shut down. And I was home all the time. And apparently when you're home more, you look in the mirror more. I don't know. But I was like, I need to make some real changes because I'm sick of feeling like I look like shit. And I think we're all the hardest on ourselves, right? Um, but I started religiously using sunscreen, which I've never been a sunscreen person. I'm... Um, kind of that in-between skin tone where I don't burn super easily, but also I don't get real dark either. So I've just never really worried about it, but I should. Cause like if I wasn't wearing any makeup right now, you would see sunspots all over my face. Um, and started like actually trying to take care of it. So I'm not the greatest about doing a great job of cleaning my skin, but I'm pretty religious about moisturizing it now. And uh, 
I don't, I know nothing about anything except that all of a sudden now I have this whole budget line about skin with skincare items that five years ago was probably just spent on wine. So, <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm doing anything right or not, but apparently what I am doing right is good use of filters and lights because, uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes what you see on social media is not the whole picture. I will say that having skincare, especially sunscreen, in your budget is a hell of a lot less expensive than going to the dermatologist to have things removed. And that if I had realized earlier that generally the way skin cancer is treated is to cut it out and to just keep going until it's gone, um, I would have started being a lot better about sunblock a lot sooner because... That's a really, yeah. really great point. It's... And as I'm sitting here, I'm like, I I never have talked to my kids, especially my daughter, about sunscreen. And like, they're farm kids. They are outside every day, all year round doing chores. And, and they're just outdoorsy kids too. Um, yeah. I should be having them wear sunscreen on their face. Like I think, I feel like in Canada, we grew up, we're pretty good about like sunscreen on our shoulders or, you know, our chest or places that you would typically get a sunburn, but you never, you don't think about the daily, especially like for us as farmers, your face sees so much sunlight all the time. So one of the other reasons I enjoy following you on social media is looking at what you're making for supper because I'm always in like a food slump and, <laughs> Um, and you're also honest about, you know, like what you're taking on the road because you're busy and, you know, like sometimes it has to be on the go. So can you give me some ideas for what I should make for supper? Uh, yeah, we live our lives around car meals these days with two very athletic kids. Uh, we're always on the road to somewhere. And because we live in the middle of nowhere, uh, it's a long ways. Both of my kids drive an hour each way for just practices. So it's a lot of car meals around here. Um, but my, my system of figuring out what the F we're going to have for supper that night is to mid morning, go downstairs, open my deep freeze and stare mindlessly at it until a protein jumps out at me that says, cook me today. And then I build my meal around that. Um, which sometimes works awesome and then sometimes are hilarious fails because I have nothing to actually that goes well with that said protein. Um, but I feel like some of the best meals are the low and slow meals. Uh, if you have, if you're around the house or the yard enough to make that happen, love throwing a roast in the oven, uh, and just letting it do its thing all day long, whether it's a roast chicken, roast pork, or roast beef. Um, I know that in my freezer, the last things to get cooked every year are the things that take attention throughout the day. Uh, I've got about four briskets in my freezer right now that are just waiting for a day that uh, has time for me to be smoking them and, and spritzing them and, you know, giving them all the love and attention. Um, beef short ribs are all the, uh, the next last thing to get cooked because you know, that braising kind of takes all day. They're the most delicious things. Uh, but usually, usually the last things to go. 
And I instant pot. Yes. Short ribs in the instant pot. Yes. Perfection. That's I I need to get better at using my Instapot. I it lives downstairs in my basement. And anything that lives downstairs feels like it's a pain in the ass to cart it up and actually use it. Same with my air fryer. I probably only use that once every couple months for the same reason. Um, so yeah, but those my go-tos typically are things that I can cook with ground beef because it's quick and it's easy. Um, spaghetti and meat sauce. We eat on average twice a week because it is so easy. Kids love it. You can eat it in the car on the go if you have to. Um, leftovers are perfect too. Love that one. That's definitely a go-to. And honestly, homemade pizza. We I always have stuff in my freezer that I can throw pizza together. Again, living in the middle of nowhere, there are no pizza delivery options where we live. And it's a half hour round trip just to go and get pizza. So I just make our own. I've got pre-made shells in the freezer and some deli meat. And what else do you need? Those are some good ideas. I already did take some beef out of the freezer today. So I've, it's a head start. Now I just need to actually uh, do something with it. There you That is the thing. Someday I will be the person that takes the meat out the day before. Someday. When I grow up, that will be me. But it's no time soon. It still has not happened. Then you might change your mind between yesterday and today about what you want to eat, right? That's exactly it. And I am a very, um, I don't know what the right word is, emotional cook. Like, I get excited about cooking because I feel like eating that thing that day. So how can you decide that the day before? You're going to want something different. Or if God forbid it's the day that your husband offers to take the whole family to Culver's <laughs> for dinner, which you Canadians are missing out. I've never okay? been. I'm just saying there's cheese or butter or cheese and butter on basically everything Ooh. they make. Um, it's fast food, but like it's actually food. You know, we're at McDonald's and you're like, I feel so much worse after eating that. Culver's is like the inverse of that. And they're based in Wisconsin, which totally makes them locally owned and thusly. Yeah, you can feel good about it all around. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one of the reasons we started this podcast was because of the isolation of being first time parents. And like you said, I mean... It's a half hour round trip to get pizza here if you want pizza from the gas station, you know. And so a lot of the parenting groups we were in, there was a lot of, you know, just get it door dashed or, you know, take an Uber or get a nanny or whatever, (laughs) like things that will not happen. Um, So what was the transition to motherhood like for you? Um, Honestly, motherhood was not isolating for me. Um, here in Canada, we are blessed with a one year maternity leave, um, where you get 50% of your wage for a whole year. Uh, so those maternity year leaves were, were isolating for sure. Like baby years were hard, but in general, when my kids were hard, I was going back to work. Um, after that year was over, uh, work provided me with a lot of social interactions. Um, it was a far greater adjustment for me when I stayed home full time on the farm than when I had my babies for sure. Uh, but that 
happens to coincide exactly with when I started my blog and started being a lot more active on social media. So that again is the upside of social media. It's this whole new world of, of friendships and um, like-minded people and support system that otherwise I would never be able to find in my tiny little town uh, that is still half an hour away or 10, 15 minutes away, right? Like, um, so that has been the upside for me and how I managed through that part of it. Um, I really did not enjoy my mat leave years. Um, and I think probably looking back now that the isolation of those two specific years were probably a big part of why I didn't enjoy them as much. I mean, I love my babies. Don't get me wrong, but they still, they were hard on, hard on me specifically. And, uh, I'm old enough that social media wasn't a part of my maternity years, you know, 17 years ago, uh, there, well, I don't even know if Instagram was alive yet. Right. Uh, so I think uh, that's what I, where I would definitely tell other new moms to look for. And like you said, not to look for like-minded people in similar situations. It's reaching out, uh, to you two and, and, and figuring out where your so online social connection connections are, um, or listening to podcasts like this and understanding that. Just like we talked about understanding that everybody has shit days on the farm, everybody has shit days as a mom, as a parent, as a caregiver, right? Like children are the most rewarding thing in the world and they are also the thing that drives us absolutely fucking bananas. <laughs> Whether they are two months or 17 years old, like... Holy, their emotional investment in their well-being and also their your sense of responsibility when things go wrong because things are going to go wrong whether they're six months old or 16. Like, it just happens. Um, so understanding that you're not alone in those things I think is huge. But it's on us as remote rural parents to sort that out and to not just bury ourselves and uh, isolate ourselves. Yeah, I know that I was going from working to my first maternity leave around the same time as you. I have a 17 year old as well. And I think Facebook was maybe just starting, but like we were on dial up still. So you had to like log yeah. on and <laughs> go in. Um, yes. But it was such a culture shock to go from, I was commuting into the city and coming back to the farm at night or I was working shift work. So some of the time I was coming back in the middle of the night. So I was around, but I didn't really know anyone in my community. I wasn't from here. And so then I was off on my first year of maternity leave and realizing I don't know anyone. Like I know my, my mother-in-law and a couple of my immediate neighbors, but I don't know any other parents of young kids. Like I have no mom friends. And so it took a long time and work to actually meet other people. And, you know, not everyone has resources you know like we're not too far from a town where there were playgroups and there was a library and that kind of stuff and so i could meet other parents of young kids but i know not everyone is close enough to those things and you know we have the canadian privilege of having a year off where you know other people are 
and depending on your farm situation too, you might be going back to work within days of having your baby too. So those things are all different depending on where you live and what your personal situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a journey. And I think that looking back now, if I would have realized what a journey it is, and it's not just like, I need to find a best friend tomorrow kind of thing. It's my life is going to change and progress and, and friendships are going to ebb and flow. And honestly, the easiest time of a parent's life, I think, or in my experience to make that network is once your kids start to be in stuff. Right. So you all, all of a sudden your social life becomes the other parents that are on your kid's hockey team or um, or their volleyball team or 4-H club or or whatever it is that your kids are passionate about. That's where we spend all of our time. So hopefully, fingers crossed that there's some parents within that team or group that aren't total duds and you can actually form great relationships with. Yeah. Even if it's just for the hour that they're at practice or yeah, in the 4-H meeting or whatever, to have someone else to hang out Absolutely. with for a little while. So what do you enjoy most about raising your kids out where you are, out on the land and being farm kids, being ranch? I think it's really cool. And it is that it's, it's honestly such a privilege as farmers that we get to share our profession so much with our kids. Um, you know, if you compare it to a doctor or an accountant or so many other professions that their professional life is completely separate from their home and family life. Whereas our kids are everyday parts of our farm. Uh, we've been very, very conscious about involving our kids since the time that they were old enough to cart a a five gallon pail across the yard to feed calves or whatever. Um, there's been a lot of term, times where that's been a struggle because it would be far easier to either do it ourselves or to have one of the hired guys do it. Uh, but we've always really, really wanted and made it a priority for our kids to be involved. Um, and now I'm so happy that we, that we went through that struggle and we tried so hard to do that because uh, both of my kids, they're, they're better equipment operators than I am. Um, they're better at handling cattle than I am. Um, so that's really great to see. And they are still young enough that I don't know for sure if either of them will want to farm full time after, you know, into their adulthood, but they're definitely prepared to, um, you know, they have all the skills needed. So I think that is definitely the coolest part about farming with family. And, you know, it's, it's not only a little bit easier probably for farmers to, to involve their kids like that, but it's also just a cultural thing in agriculture that we do want to see our kids involved. And in, that it's, it's when you look around at other neighboring farms too, um, there's a lot of kids that are involved and, and that's, you know, when I think about my marketing off farm job, sure, would when I maybe have some discussions about that over the supper table, yeah, for sure. But it's not the same as being immersed in it. And it's like harder to explain are. to your kids, you know, if you were 
you know, a doctor and you were operating on someone and be like, okay. And so then I got the scalpel, you know, like versus like, let's go to the bar and there's a cow calving or yeah, like we have to go to the field and go do this thing. And to, yeah, to be able to have them there and experience it. Yes. And whether or not they understand it when they're little or not, doesn't matter. It's the fact that they've, they've seen it and then they can ask questions or, you know, then they'll do it again the next season or yeah. see it again. And, and I also think they, it's important for them to see the shit show that happens on farms and the problem solving and how you navigate through all of the bad things. Um, because I think in today's day and age, a lot of kids don't see firsthand the adversity that their parents have to go through. Um, whereas right there, literally in front of our kids' faces, and uh, hopefully that's something that whatever their future holds for them, they will be better at navigating through adversity and figuring the shit out as it happens uh, because they've seen us do it so much. And now they're at the point where they're doing it too. You know, they're, my son was out swathing um, this past fall and he knocked a bunch of blades off and he had to, he was out in the middle of nowhere. So he had to fix it himself. Perfect. That is great. You had to figure it out. And that will bode well for him, even if he becomes a surgeon. Oh, you, something goes wrong in the surgery. It's an automatic, well, what do yeah, I do? Yeah, and for out? better or for worse, see, sorry, I was just going to say, and for better or worse, seeing how we respond to that adversity too, where, you know, sometimes it might not always be pretty, but, you know, if we're trying to model okay, this happened and we're going to figure it out ourselves and or we're going to ask for help or we're going to take a minute and <laughs> collect our thoughts and then start again. You know, like how how we respond to the things that are frustrating to us is hopefully um, we can give that as examples for how to how to proceed when things don't go the way you want. I think, too, that's such a good point about our kids knowing what we do, because so many of us with you know, I work from home, but remotely. And I found out the other day that my six-year-old thinks I'm a ninja. <laughs> um, you know, so them having a real understanding of what we actually do and watching them, you know, my kids are younger, but watching them apply what they're learning in useful ways. I mean, knowing math is a good thing. Being able to count actual eggs while we're making dinner or while we're getting them from the chicken coop is practical and makes sense to them, you know. And being able to actually be helpful. I mean, little kids are basically the least helpful creatures <laughs> on earth, but they really want to yes. help, you know. And that's... It's so nice to have so many more opportunities to let them help with things that if they make a mess, it doesn't matter as much as if they're making a mess in the house, you know. Um, and I know for us, at least, the, the teaching respect for living things. Um, Arlene, I did talk the girl child out of the live hamster <laughs> because I pointed out that it was probably going to get eaten. Um, but just the... You know, you can't hit the dog just because you're mad because the dog is a living thing with feelings. You know, we have to feed cattle even if you don't want to because they are living things. And I think that's such a a good extension of we respect other people because they're living things to spread that to a wider 
basis. Um, so tell us about all the horrible things that your kids have done and all the, what your biggest struggles have been. Cause your kids are old enough to have like really done some <laughs> shit. My kids are still at the, like, they drew on the wall phase, which is irritating, but not like actively dangerous. Yeah. My son went through that phase too. And that's, I remember, I distinctly still remember posting about that and being like spankings will never go out of style in my house as long as drawing the walls never goes out of style in my kid's life. Um, which, ugh, yeah, kids. Um, and also he comes by it naturally because my husband, when he was my kid's age at that time, he not only spray painted the side of their machinery quonset, he spray painted his name. Like who did he think was going to get blamed for that? Honestly. So, you know, genetics again are such a thing. And sometimes you need to be more careful about the bully you choose. Uh, but uh, my kids are pretty good. They, I mean, probably every mom says that they drive me absolutely bonkers. What I think is the most amazing to me is how different the two of them are. The girl and the boy. And I don't know if it's just straight up different personalities or if it's that a girl is genetically that much different than a boy. But, you know, my girl definitely went through the hormone phase and the mood swings and figuring all that part out. But she's always been pretty easy. She's very chill. She has not required a huge amount of parenting. And the boy is like bounce off the walls active, holes in walls, um, all sorts of stupid shit that just requires constant parenting. And they both have wonderful intentions but I think that has been the hardest thing is to adjust the parenting to the kid because they just require completely different things from me. Um, yeah, I yell at my son a lot, like probably more than I is healthy. Uh, and yet if I raise my voice to my daughter at all, it is like, instant regret because it just affects her completely yeah, different. You just broke her heart. So I think that is, that is the biggest thing. Um, yes, exactly. And usually the trouble that they get into is pretty unintentional. Like there's been some, uh, well, my daughter, you know, broke the baler a couple years ago from not paying attention uh, my son, when he was four, tried to drive the quad through the garage door and, you know, just dumb things that luckily nobody was injured doing. Uh, but so far, like knock on wood, because I feel like I'm tempting karma here that they're kind of the police are going to show up at my door tomorrow or something. Cause you know, never say never about your kids doing bad things. I think I'm thankful that my kids are growing up now and not even 10 years ago. I really feel for teenagers that had to figure out social media before we, we as adults had it figured out even right. Like the idea that things live forever online and uh, you know, the stupid things that teenagers 10, 15 years ago would put on social media compared to now. Uh, now you have to be really dumb to do some of those things. Whereas, you know, 
that gap generation between me and my kids didn't didn't have it all figured out yet. So, uh, but I'm even more thankful that I grew up in a time that there wasn't cameras in phones, and so none of my dumb shit same. lives anywhere. Yes. Literally yeah, literally anywhere. Same, same, same. That's such a thing we don't give kids credit for now, too. Is you know people say, well, these dumb teenagers with their posting naked photos online and I'm like the only reason we didn't was because we couldn't because it wasn't a thing like right maybe you'd take a polaroid and give it to somebody <laughs> like what you're not going to go get those photos developed like if you were going to show your boobs to somebody you had to like walk up and show your boobs to them and like, yes only one person saw it you know where now like there's not a time gap or any like effort gap that makes them think about what they're doing right and adults aren't good at thinking about what we're doing when we do it so there's no way in hell teenagers should be and it's not fair to blame them for doing stupid shit when they've got ways to do stupid shit that we never even dreamed of so true you know and yeah, anyway. so far my kids are... They probably still shouldn't be showing their boobs on the internet, but... So far my kids are smarter yeah. than I was at that age, so really what more could I ask for? They're still going to do dumb shit. Hopefully it just continues to be less dumb shit than I did. I just hope my kids do new dumb shit. Yeah, yeah, invent yeah. some new things. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on... Yeah, was to talk adventure. about teens, which we're, we're doing. But what do you love about the ages that they're at right now versus when they were uh, little guys? What do you love about having teenagers in your house? Because it seems like we only ever talk about the bad stuff. Right. I think, honestly, this is my favorite stage of parenting. Hands down, easily. I love this stage. And I think it's because my kids have found the things that they're passionate about. And, you know, when they're little and they're... You're, carting them to like hockey practice and swim lessons and band and piano and like all of the things because they still just don't know what they like or what they don't uh whereas now like my son is so passionate about hockey he is on the ice almost every day of the week and he is working out at the gym and worried about nutrition and sleep habits and all these things like he lives it completely eats breathes sleeps it and it's just really cool to watch that progression um my daughter's really into horses she shows um reining horses and uh you know the work and dedication that that requires uh i think it's just so cool that i not only get to be along for the ride like who am i kidding i am the ride because uh, I'm still chauffeuring them around everywhere. But I just get to watch them not only choose their things, but but really get good at it and and want to work hard at it. I'm That just is so exciting to me and means that I'm so excited to see that work ethic in them as adults and that they that they're learning now how much of a difference that their hard work on stuff like for example with my with my son how hard he works off the ice directly relates to how his success on the ice and that he can clearly see that and is learning that and watching him learn that i just think it's so fun i just love it um 
you know, all the other hard parts about teenagers balancing uh, their passions with their schoolwork and with their social lives and trying to sort all that out, especially in a small town where your circle is very small. Um, sometimes, I don't know what it's like down in the States, but or even out East, but sometimes small town Saskatchewan means that there are, there are per certain people in your town that don't like to see other people succeed, uh, which really sucks. But also at the same time, choosing to step above that and pushing yourself and seeking out greater opportunities than what can be found right here at home. Um, that's a big, a big thing for my kids. And also a big reason why there will be no option for them to stay home as soon as they're done high school. You are always welcome to come back, but you have to go away for a while, wherever that is, whether that's to university or learning a trade or working somewhere else or traveling the world. Like, don't care what you want to go do. Great. But you can come back later, but you have to go. Yeah, there's something about, you know, kind of being in a small town. So it I mean, it teaches us that we have to learn to get along with people because, you know, if you're on a farm, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, we also want to give our yes. kids those opportunities to, to spread their wings a bit and, and see that there is a world out there. And then if they choose to come back afterwards, then that's great. And if they find something else that they're passionate about, then that's amazing too, right? I know I, I have to say that I appreciate that my kids are still little enough that like, I do look forward to the day that they can shower by <laughs> themselves and, like, zip their own coats and that sort of, that aspect of parenting. But it is nice right now that when my daughter comes home complaining about school, it's that somebody accidentally tripped her during gym class. And it's not, you know, so-and-so said they don't want to be by date for prom or whatever. Like, they're big problems to little people, but they're not big problems to big people where it seems like teenagers have the capability to get into a lot more trouble than little ones do. You know, I mean, my kids don't go anywhere that I don't take them. They don't buy anything that I don't buy for them. Like, there's no, you know, they're pretty limited in what they can get up to, you know, especially living this far from town. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, Definitely the... The bonus right. of living in small towns or, or by small towns is that everybody knows everything. So when my kid's being a shithead, I'm going to hear about it within 24 hours, guaranteed, which is really a good thing. I can't imagine the difficulties of raising kids in large urban centers where you literally don't know any of your neighbors or, um, you know, have a different connection point even with the school it would be, I, I, as someone who has only lived in urban centers to go to university, I can't even imagine navigating that. That would be completely out of my realm of experience. Yeah, it is, you know, my kids are in a small community daycare in a small public school, and it is really nice to know the other kids' parents. And, you know, I hear about shit my kids have gotten up to before they get home from daycare. You know, and it's it's nice to be able to ask about other kids' families and other kids' parents and, you know, sort of vet people that way. And it is, as stifling as small towns can be, it is nice to have that overview on people, you know. 
So we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at a county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up. Well, I grew up traveling the county equivalent of county fairs here in Saskatchewan, uh, showing horses. So I have a lot of experience. My whole summers would be spent at fairs. And so I will say the number one most important thing about fair life is to understand that to never ever make eye contact with a carny. Um, because then you're getting sucked in for something. Um, and especially if you're a teenager, teenage girl, then really don't make eye contact with a carny. Um, but I would, so I would rock the horse show aspect of it. You throw me on a horse and I can make you go do some fun stuff. But as for, you know, normal county fair stuff now, I would be the queen at doing food reviews of all of the food booths. That is what I would want to do now. And the weirder the food, the more fun it would be. I think I can, uh, I can definitely see myself going down that path and just like traveling to every fair and doing reviews on the corn dogs and the elephant ears and, um, the, up here poutine very important and figuring out you know what all the best food that is a good are. one i was thinking you were going to say like judging like you know the pies and stuff you know that people enter but i, I like your your version too that uh that it's a it's both a service that you're offering the community and <laughs> something that you're uh, you would enjoy as well so we'll go ahead and move into our cussing and discussing segment. We've registered for an online platform so listeners can leave their cussing and discussing entries for us and we will play them on the show. So go to speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com or check the show notes and the links should be there. So Katie, what have you got to cuss and discuss this week? I hope that people take this in the not intended to be offensive manner in which it may or may not come out. I really wish that there was some sort of remedial girliness classes for those of us who were not raised by girly people, because like I'm looking at Adrian and I'm like, you know what? I bet her kid shows up to County fair with like her hair braided, right? And her horse's hair braided, right? And like, oh, she's shaking her head. No, you can't see it. People, but Adrian says that's not, a my thing. daughter keeps asking to grow her hair out. And I'm like, honey, I don't like, I can't be in charge of this. I keep my hair short because I can't deal with it. And by short, I do not mean when people say, oh, I have short hair because it's only to my shoulders. I mean, no, mine is like two inches. And so I just feel a little bad that I can't, I'm not good at the girly girl stuff that my girly girl daughter wants to do. And I just, part of me was, you know, I mean, I was I was raised by a strong hippie feminist, and part of me is like, well, the hell with the you know, the status quo of girly girlness. But also, my kid really likes it, and it's not hurting anything. But I'm not good at it, and it makes me. Grumpy. Oh, I so. so I still can't do a French. Me braid. neither. I cannot. I can. I can braid a horse's tail because it's big and right there, and that's about it. Like, oh, I can't. 
I, it has taken me a very, very long time to figure out how to actually like properly apply mascara, let alone all the contouring and stuff that people do now that I don't even actually know what that means, let alone be able to do it myself. So, uh, and that's no, why my there's hair too is many long, brushes and sponges. Yes. The only thing that I can do is a ponytail and I don't do that pretty. I do that like functional. So uh, I end up getting mine caught in car doors when it's longer. <laughs> so it seemed like a no, legitimately it has happened multiple times. It seems like a safety thing at this point to not. <laughs> that must be very long like, hair. <laughs> it's one no, extreme just, or the other. With the okay. I, I have a lot of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's well, if there's those much. remedial classes, anyway. sign me up to, I'll, I'll join you over zoom to do them. Cause I got a lot of learning to do in that area too, which also does, did not help my daughter at all. She luckily was not very into that stuff, but now, now that she is a teenager and she would like to occasionally, you know, apply some makeup or do her hair. And I'm like, I don't know, here's the one thing that I can do. So, you know, that's right? what YouTube's for. There's millions of makeup tutorials. I'm not going to watch them, but if if my daughter wants to figure it out, then yeah. I will say That's I'm the, really the good side of social media. I am really proud though that the little boy last night after his bath asked if we could do nail polish so he could be Aww. extra pretty. I was like, well, baby, we can do it tomorrow right after school, so it'll be dry. But absolutely, you know. And then he wants like green and blue, so it can be like John Deere and, and New Holland. <laughs> you know, because we're that family, but yeah, that's the farm fine. nail polish. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Have you got any orange? I was just thinking about the repercussions of a makeup line for farm kids. Um, anyway, Adrian, what do you have to cuss and discuss? Oh, so what has been annoying me lately, um, has been personal space. So perhaps it's because I live in the middle of nowhere, but so I frequently have to head into the city to hit up Costco, which I think maybe is called Sam's Club down in the States, or is there Costco down there too? Um, That's two separate okay. businesses. Costco is my yeah, happy well, place though. Yeah, well, it can so be mine gotcha. too, because I love what they sell and I love buying in bulk and all of that, but people's lack of personal space in today's day and age i just can't handle it and like you there's there, we're in a giant warehouse there's no need to like press yourself up against me or your cart or whatever like my personal space bubble maybe is quite large but i just Every time I go to the city now, I just am like cringing constantly at the people that are like right up in your grill. And for what? Just take a step back. And you'd think we would have been getting better at this, right? Like, yeah. use this, like, so let's stick with the six to eight feet or whatever the rules were before right. when we had to stay away from each other. I'm okay with keeping that rule forever. Ditto. Ditto. We can, a full yeah. card length is good. I will admit that when people do shit like getting in line behind you and then they just get closer and closer, like that's magically yeah. going to make things faster. I will unload my cart so <laughs> slowly because I refuse to reward that behavior by actually yeah. hurrying. Ugh. Arlene, what do you have to cuss and discuss today? 
So I didn't actually have anything written down and I figured I would get inspired as we were talking. And so one thing that I've been thinking about is as our kids get older, they get more independent, which is fantastic. But I would still like a little bit of communication from the school once in a while. And it feels like it's completely dropped off. And that could be that everything's perfectly fine and there's no issues. Or it could be that my kid is messing up and I'm not going to find out until I get a report card. Or they've been suspended or something. Like, I really have no idea because... Um, and I don't want to be super gendered about it, but my boys give me so little detail about what goes on in their daily life that I really have no concept of how things are going. So sometimes I will even go so far as like to contact like the, the friend's parents and be like, so how are things at school for my kid? <laughs> Maybe your daughter has told me because I know that they're friends with each other. So yeah, I just like... I don't need like the daily progress reports like we used to get when they were in elementary school, but I don't know, maybe an email once every couple of weeks would be nice. But I know that teachers are overworked, so I shouldn't ask for too much, but like just a few hints. Oh, kids. All right. Thank you so much, Adrian, for joining us today on the podcast. If people want to follow you online or get in touch, where should they find you? Um, so on instagram and facebook it's view from the ranch porch you can search me up there twitter's under my own name adrian ivy the blog that i haven't wrote anything on in two years you know but you could always search it up it's view from the ranch yeah. i don't know why you would want to but uh instagram definitely is where i spend most of my time it's where i met you lovely ladies and definitely uh where my happy place is so that's where i hope to meet some of the people listening so that I can follow back. Thank you so much. It was great. I to talk appreciate to you. it. Thanks guys. for coming on. Adrian. Thank you for joining us on Barnyard language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyard language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We are always in search of guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.